0: Snuff Production.
1: Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Tuesday, March 8. I'm Tom Tilly.
2: And I'm Katrina Blowers. And in this International Women's Day episode of The Briefing, the badass women of Australian history.
3: Nancy Wake was actually the most wanted woman of World War II by the Gestapo. She judo-chopped Nazis to death. She jumped out of planes. She was amazing.
1: Yeah, more about Nancy (laughs) Wake and a bunch of other amazing Australian women you might not have heard of. That's in our briefing. First, here are today's headlines.
2: Tens of thousands of people in southwest Sydney were issued with evacuation orders overnight with barely any warning as more rain bears down on New South Wales.
1: Residents in 13 suburbs around the Georges River got text messages ordering them to leave or risk being trapped with the SES having to door knock homes after midnight.
2: Yeah, so there's also warnings along the Hawkesbury, Nepean rivers and the rest of the state. Flooding and possible landslides are expected for large parts of coastal New South Wales and even inland as far as the Blue Mountains mountains.
1: And in Lismore, more help is on the way. Uh, 5,000 people are homeless there. So 1,300 more troops are arriving tonight, joining the 630 already on the ground. I have noticed uh, in my social media feed, Katrina, a lot of people very cynical about yeah. how long it's taken defence to get there. And then there's all this footage of them doing lots of photo opportunities now that they're there.
2: I know. This is something that I've also just received so many messages about. People are furious and heartbroken. They feel like they've been ignored and abandoned. And yeah, as you say, Tom, those photo ops, I think that's definitely something to look into a bit further over the coming days.
1: An autopsy of Shane Warne in Thailand has confirmed that he died of natural causes. The findings being accepted by his family and Australia's ambassador.
2: So his body will be flown back to Australia today. His family will hold a private funeral before a state funeral takes place in Victoria. That is just going to be enormous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That'll be at the MCG. Um, there'll be the SK Warn stand, um, which is super exciting. The Great Southern stand being renamed and a bit of a weird one in Thailand. Security authorities there have closed an investigation into a security breach after a German woman was able to get in the ambulance carrying Warne's body and spend about 40 seconds alone in the vehicle. That's according to the ABC.
2: So Thai authorities were told the woman actually knew Warne personally. It turns out she was just a fan. Thai police have accepted it was a mistake and they've determined that she didn't actually mean any harm by this.
1: There's photos of her. She's carrying a bunch of flowers and approaching the ambulance. Um, And she later said, I'm sorry about yesterday. I didn't mean it as a negative act. I'm a big fan. He's a great player. And I think the fact that he has a German cricket fan just shows how far Shane Warne transcended the normal boundaries of cricket.
2: And there's actually video of this woman entering the ambulance. Um, I mean, it's pretty awful. His family probably wouldn't love to see that, but she was very respectful about it. But it also shows what you can do if you just have confidence. She just walked as though she was meant to be there and they let her in. Well, civilians are believed to be trapped in at least six Ukrainian cities amid heavy Russian shelling and failed humanitarian corridors.
3: We heard promises that there would be humanitarian corridors.
1: They are not here. Instead of humanitarian corridors, they can only make bloody ones. That's the Ukraine president, Volodymyr Zelensky. They've denounced these corridors as immoral and unacceptable after it was discovered that the Kremlin would only allow people to escape to Russia or Belarus.
2: Yeah, not much of an escape route, is it? Uh, A third round of broad ceasefire talks are expected to take place today. Russia has told Ukraine it is ready to halt military operations in a moment if Kiev meets a list of conditions.
1: So they want the Ukraine to cease military action change its constitution to enshrine neutrality, acknowledge Crimea as a Russian territory and recognise the separatist republics of Donetsk and Luhansk as independent states. So very interesting to hear the more specific demands that Russia are calling for here.
2: WA Premier Mark McGowan has started giving evidence in his defamation case against Clive Palmer, the Premier saying the mining magnates accusing him of lying about his reasons for imposing the hard border.
1: So Palmer's lawyer Peter Gray read an email from March 2020 containing health advice about the hard border saying that it would slow the spread but may have similar impacts to other measures like closing retail outlets.
2: Gray put it to McGowan. He was lying whenever he said the hard border was necessary and McGowan answered no to that. He said it was advice on what would work. Maintaining that hard border was necessary. I uh, was at a function on the weekend, Tom, and and saw quite a few people who were there from WA. It was like they'd been let out of jail for the first time. They were so excited to be in Queensland lad, but you could actually see that it has taken a huge toll on them. Ben
1: Tudhope, the Paralympian we spoke to on Friday here on The Briefing, has won Australia's first medal at the Beijing Winter Paralympics. He got bronze in the men's snowboard cross.
2: of a mispronunciation of his name. There it is, in fact, you'd hope, and that audio is thanks to Seven. Yeah,
1: so he was in fourth place for much of the big final, but then he managed to pip a Chinese competitor at the post. It's his first Paralympic medal in his third game, so that's pretty exciting. He lives with cerebral palsy and shared his amazing story with us on Friday.
3: Doctors were actually told I may never be able to walk or talk. My parents took baby steps, but then... What was so great about them is they never wrapped me in cotton wool and they let me kind of explore and do everything that I wanted and to be a normal kid.
2: I love hearing stories like that. You know, parents who are given a pretty devastating diagnosis and just refuse to take no for an answer. So huge congratulations Mm -hmm. there to Ben Chute Hope and his family on that bronze. I understand he's competing again too in the banked slalom on Saturday.
1: Yep, good luck, Ben. All right, thanks, Katrina. We'll catch you tomorrow. Jan Franz joining me as we talk about the badass women of Australian history. All right, now to our briefing on the badass women of Australian history. Appropriately, um, I'm joined by this by one of them.
0: <laughs> well, badass women of Australian present. I'm still here, <laughs> unfortunately for you.
1: The legacy hasn't quite been picked over just yet. <laughs>
0: No, but if we're talking about badass women of Australian history, uh, a few things come to mind: judo chopping Nazis, one of them; an indigenous judo bush-
1: chopping off Nazis, or Nazis that judo chop; judo
0: chopping of Nazis right. by badass women; an indigenous bush ranger who had, get this, thirteen children, mm. and sliced people's hamstrings with a machete; a pioneer of synchronized swimming who was one of the first women to appear nude in a Hollywood film—that is a feat. All these stories in one beautiful book.
1: Yeah, so this is a book called The Badass Women of Australian History. It's by Eliza Riley, who we're about to speak to. And some of the language is awesome in this book. So Nancy Wake is the woman you'll hear about who um, was in the resistance against the Nazis. Judo chopped some of them. This is how Eliza described her. Nancy Wake was thirstier than a cactus in the Simpson Desert on New Year's Day. (laughs) (laughs) And then goes on to talk about how she fell beret over blundstones for a rich French guy in Paris.
0: Yeah, so Eliza Riley, she's with us now categorising the badass women of Australian history.
1: Eliza, thanks so much for joining us. Your book argues that our recorded history is biased towards blokes and only certain (laughs) kinds of women. So tell us more about this problem you see with our recorded history.
3: Well, I just felt that there needed a little bit more, I guess, variety in who we uh, hold up as a hero or kind of a North Star. And I love Ned Kelly as much as everyone, and I am so proud that he has 11 movies and TV shows right now, but I just sort of was like, well, if Australia loves an underdog, there are so many good ones, and not everyone connects with Ned Kelly.
1: Yeah, so if you look at the women, you know, that have been recorded properly in our history, it's Dame Mellie Melba, um, an opera singer, Miles Franklin, Jermaine Greer, writers, Then there's a lot of sports people, Yvonne Gulagong, Margaret Court, Kathy Freeman, Dawn Fraser. But what is it about the stories of women that have made the history books that you feel doesn't tell the whole story or give the full picture?
3: Well, I love all of those amazing uh, figures of Australian history as well. But I can't help but think that like, they are winners within the system as it is already. You know, they are media trained, they win gold, they become PM, they work within the system that's already there, and that's amazing. But I also wanted to highlight that women's wins don't necessarily look like male wins. And like, you don't have to play within the system to be an amazing, credible hero.
0: Okay, so what drove you to write this book Did you have a moment when the idea popped into your head to go back and to effectively unearth a lot of these women? Like, what was it that made you want to do this? Nancy Wake, who is what I call my gateway,
3: Sheila, uh, she was actually the most wanted woman of World War II by the Gestapo. She judo-chopped Nazis to death she Mm. jumped out of planes she was amazing and she grew up within the blocks of my suburb where i went to high Mm. school and did like extension history where i learned about all the valiant men who gave up their lives and all of the nurses that like healed them and i never knew about nancy wake until years later after school and i just thought like If she grew up in the same suburb as me, like, why didn't I know about her? Uh, There's
0: going to be more. And so I went hunting after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if she was karate chopping Nazis, doesn't matter which suburb she grew up in. Why don't we know about this stuff?
3: Exactly. She was sort of personal. That hit at the exact right time in my life when I was just sort of a bit confused and a little Mm. bit angry. I would have loved to know about her. Where was she?
1: Yeah. And so Marianne Bug's another really interesting example where she was an indigenous bush ranger, but we haven't heard anywhere near as much about her as Ned Kelly. Yeah. I hadn't um, heard of her before at all. Yeah. So really? it's, it, it sort of suggests, I guess your thesis here is that men can be celebrated for being naughty, you know, like Shane Warne <laughs> or, or Ned Kelly, but <laughs> that's rarely why we celebrate women.
3: Yeah. And I found just like, uh, by the way, I am not a historian. I've got no business doing this, but I was totally surprised that the historical literature or sort of trawling through all of this archives, the men got so much leeway when it came to sort of the difference between real and legend. Like we can all hold very closely the two ideas that maybe Ned Kelly didn't wear the helmet all the time. But then we also realised that like he was a human, but we love the legend. But with women, we're like, no, you couldn't have done that. It's like, you didn't do it until proven true. And Marianne Bug is an amazing 1860s First Nations bushranger, who I argue is a far superior bushranger because she kept unknown. She kept under the authorities until she was 70.
0: Yeah. And doing it with kids whilst prego. Which is hard to do anything, let alone half the things that she managed to accomplish. (laughs) Dude, she had 13 kids
3: in the 1800s. Whoa. I know. I say in the chapter, I'm like, this chapter just should have been called Marianne Bug, had 13 children, (laughs) the end.
1: Tell us more about her robberies. What was her style?
3: She was known for doing this thing called hamstringing where she would be on the horse and run after someone who was running away on foot. And then she would tie a machete to the end of a stick and then like, woo, and like hamstring them, which is like they're slicing their um, Achilles heel. And that's what she was known for doing. Ouch. Uh, enjoy your coffee, everyone. She was just an absolute badass. The reason why she went undercover a lot is she was First Nation. So She's a Waramai woman, but she told all of the whiteys in the town that she was Maori because then like she understood, she was such a strategist. She understood that people would sort of endow her with like exoticism that, so that she could just ride without supervision. She wore man's
0: clothes
3: mm. because she was like, I'm Maori, babe. And everyone was like, oh, well, then that's all right, then off you go.
0: I mean, that's just one of the uh, many women that you feature in the book over the course of approximately 200 years. Was there a particular person that stood out for you in you researching this? They all sort of have that like little
3: something. Not one woman represents it all for me. It's almost like that they're all a different member of Captain Planet or something and all together they come together and they represent writing it, I would just feel really responsible because I might be the only person in the entire world who actually um, is looking at this person right now. And I really think she deserves to be shared. And so that really hit home. And that was an amazing privilege.
1: When I read about Annette Kellerman, I realized we only hear about Renaissance men. I've actually never heard the term Renaissance women, which I guess shows a little bit of a sexist bias there. And I mean, you could describe her as that. She was a swimming champion, became a bit of a fashion icon for a bathing costume, and then was also Mm -hmm. an actress in Hollywood. Is there a gap there where we don't celebrate Renaissance women?
3: Well, yeah, because, you know, I'd argue that you were sitting right next to Jan Fran, who's a Renaissance woman as well. <laughs> she, yeah, I- she
1: plays a lot of squash. She's a sports person and a journalist.
0: I mean, this is true. I can't deny it, folks, as much as and I try. And multilingual,
1: well-traveled. <laughs>
0: I don't know, maybe it's like confusing
3: the narrative for women to be good at more than one thing for a wider audience that we're like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. If you're good at many, many things, we'll just put you away. But Annette Kellerman was, she grew up in Marrickville in Sydney, Australia, and she is the coolest chick This is like in the 1910s, 20s, 30s, she um, invented underwater ballet, which would later be called Mm. synchronised swimming. She invented the women's one piece. Mm. And in the United States, they weren't called like the one piece, they were called Annette Kellerman's. She was also uh, the first woman to appear nude in a Hollywood film, which was just banana. She was called the Million Dollar Mermaid because she would swim naked and it was the stuff that like Esther Williams would later try and depict in her films and
0: she's amazing. Right on Annette Kellerman. I've gone for a swim at the Annette Kellerman Swimming (laughs) Centre not knowing any of this history. (laughs) No exactly and it's such a gorgeous little
3: family-friendly swimming centre. I'm like uh At Harvard, a professor actually dubbed her the most beautiful figure in the world and studied her at Harvard, which she would say was like a gift and a curse. She used it to her commercial gain, but was also like, oh my God, you do not want to be called the most beautiful woman in the
1: world. I Mm -hmm. guess this book is sort of, in a way, redefining what success or noteworthy really means and just kind of loosening it up a little
3: you said it, Tom Tilly, and also <laughs> I'm not trying to retract or deduct any of, I say, like um, masculine heroes. It's just more about being like, well, what about this? If you love Bushrangers, what about her? If you love spies, you should see her. Like, yeah, just, just adding th- some new ones to the fold, you know? Definitely, and being like, well, if you love this, you'll love the women in Sheila's.
1: <laughs> and I guess at the very least, it just unearths some epic tales.
3: Oh my god! So many shocking, epic tales that sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't repeat this. It's, it's a bit, yeah. But it absolutely blushing all morning. <laughs> turns out women were doing
0: amazing things in history since it began. I guess in your mind, like, what is the point of us knowing that there are all these baller women in history that haven't really come to light? What do you sort of want the reader to take away from your book when they read it?
3: I wanted to give that gift, that micro moment before you're about to do something. Like say you're sitting outside your boss's office about to ask for a pay rise or you're about to set like a personal boundary with your friend or, you know, you're about to try and get that refund off that shop that did you wrong. Like I just wanted to give specifically like women or maybe everyone a hero in that moment where they go, well, Oh, if Nancy Wake judo-chopped a Nazi, <laughs> I can probably <laughs> ask for my super to be included in my next paycheck. Like, which is so hard in those little moments. Like, I'm mm. a quote-unquote good girl. I suffer from that ailment, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm such a good girl and I hate it. And so these these Sheilas are really, as someone who's already done the playbook, but in a very extreme way, that I can be like, well, if she did that... I can probably just get on with my day and do something with a bit more bravery.
0: What a perfect message to end on, Eliza Riley. If you need to get a refund back from that shop that did you wrong, <laughs> go for it.
1: Yeah, synchronise, <laughs> nude swim your way You're in there that. and do it. <laughs> that was Eliza Riley talking about her book and you could kind of add, maybe it went to print already, but Grace Tame Side Eye, you could probably add to that list. Mm,
0: <laughs> that's going to be an interesting question. In 50 years from now... And someone is writing a book about the badass women of Australian history. I wonder who's going to be featured for this time. Yeah, Tame Punk. She's in there for sure.
1: Tomorrow on The Briefing, we speak to people doing the hard yards on the ground around Lismore and those affected areas in the Northern Rivers and find out why they're so angry at the government response. Listener.